are listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast with Mark Alden Taylor. Welcome to another edition of the Freeform Rock Podcast. Today we have a special guest uh, from Damn Good Movie Memories, the podcast. And who is he, Lee? He is Brian Davis. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> well, it's great to be on, guys. It's a, it's truly a pleasure, and uh, thanks for reaching out, and, and we're going to talk about one of my favorite bands, so thank you. Yeah. And I, it's I one you. of my favorite bands, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not one of my favorite albums, but one of my favorite bands. A- anyway. <laughs> yeah, but before we get started, let's give a shout-out to Dr. Fuck, Ralph Vieira. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, that, that guy is so fucking cool. You know, I pissed him off so many times, and he still loves me. <laughs> well, he's got something, and, and, and I don't want to get too much into his business, but he's got some kind of medical situation, and he's in the hospital. But I remember when I had, like, a gland thing in my throat, or whatever on the on the I think it was the right side but I got that fixed and hospital um, you know hospital time fixed it so I'm thinking if he has something that he needs to get fixed um hey I'm 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 giving positive thumbs up to you, baby, baby, because you know, it's it's possible that it's it's just not that big of a thing, and it just needs to be dealt with. Yeah, he's a really good guy. Brian's been on his Fiera Vault. He's been on his Rock and Combat Metal podcast. Uh, Dr. Oh yeah, and I've I've had him on my my podcast, and he, he's just a truly great guy and, and totally down to earth and. Uh, yeah, we're definitely wishing him a speedy recovery because he, he's the best. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, cheers to yeah. Dr. Fuck. Get better and get back on your uh, radio show and your podcast because we need you, man. A world without Dr. Fuck will be a fucked up world to me. <laughs> yeah, man. He's, 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 he's truly, truly, I think, a really good guy. I met him personally. He is like an angel. Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I really have to tell you that um, he's really, truly a great guy. That's all I want to say. I just yeah. want to say, if you if you don't like Doctor Fuck, you don't like people. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So uh, today we're going to do a symbol of salvation by Armored Saint from 1991. But before we get into that, let's see how you how's you guys this week been going. Um, do you want to start, Brian? Yeah, let's start, Brian. That, 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 that how, how way I week can, been? I can that? think later. How's your week well, been, Brian? So far, so good. Uh, I've been looking forward to doing this episode with you guys, so I, I took the day off just for you. So, I mean, that, that shows how much I, I care about your guys' podcast. So, uh, looking forward to it. And so I had my, uh, I'm also on the same radio station as, uh, as Ralph, Dr. Fuck. Uh, I'm on Wednesday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Pacific, and I play a lot of bluesy hard rock. So it's me- it's metal and hard rock, but with a blues flavor. And one of the bands we play all the time is Armored Saint, because you it might not be uh, obvious about you know a blues influence, but you can definitely hear it on this album. Definitely a groove 
And it's not just straight ahead metal. And so I, I think as both Lee and Mark know, the foundation of all things rock comes from the blues. So that it's, it's really kind of a, a fun thing to do. And, and I have a, a lot of fun with that show. Yeah, I finally heard it uh, last week, and I was going to get yeah. it last night, but I got distracted, forgot. Sorry. Oh, no, <laughs> no every week. Because until I go back to work, I could get on there for a little bit. <laughs> when I go back yeah, to work, exactly. I'm not going to be able to get on there. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I think uh, your listeners will probably enjoy it, and you can always come in the chat room and uh, make requests, as Mark did. Mark and Samuel Wetz did. That was fun. Yeah, it was a cool show. So what about you, Lee? What have you been up to? Um, I've been counting my toes. <laughs> Actually, um, um, I, I, I've been um, working on, I write stories, I do music too, I, I feel like I'm going to be doing a little more music too, but I'm, I'm writing stories and I've been fine-tuning them, and they're mostly just for my benefit, but I, I've been doing... A lot of um, listening to stuff. I've been listening to classical music. I'm sorry, people. I do like classical music. <laughs> Boo! And I like some classical music. And and I like jazz. Boo! There's a lot but, of jazz and heavy metal too. Yeah, yeah, but 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 but, but um, yeah, I. I've been mostly thinking about, I've been thinking mostly about what can I do that's going to be really good when this pandemic is over. Like I thought to myself, if I got people to do like dancing, like dances to music of mine or, or some sort of movie where they act to music of mine. I'm not saying that I know anybody who can do it, but I'm saying that's what I've been thinking about as being a possibility. I I'd like I'd like to have the possibility of music and movies and um dancing and everything be back where it was. Yeah, so well, with yep. me, i just been getting records in the mail. I got like Rush <laughs> uh, radio broadcast from 1974. I got a Queen radio broadcast from Brazil in 1981. It's really cool, except they have like a radio announcer talking in Spanish in one of the songs. <laughs> like, fuck, shut up. <laughs> Tell us we're a radio broadcast. And it's not... These aren't albums put out by the band, so <laughs> you could tell. But it's They've just... been doing that a lot lately with bands. Uh, there's tons of like ACDC and Aerosmith ones now from the old radio broadcasts, which is kind of cool. But they're like bootlegs. Yeah, yeah, they're bootlegs. They're pretty cool. I never got bootlegs. I didn't know these were bootlegs until I got them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, know. they look official, but they aren't. No, but they're really good. They're 180-gram yeah. vinyl. I got them for $25 each. You remember nice. when vinyl used to be the same price as cassette? Um, a hundred and twenty-five dollars. Are you like, like, rich? Like, I only want a small, little, tiny cut of steak. It's only one fourth of an inch. I don't care if I pay two hundred dollars. I'm like, I go. I I remember going to to 
to um, um, places where it's like a dollar an album. Are you paying a hundred and twenty dollars? Twenty five dollars. Uh huh. Either way, it's better. Never mind. Yeah. It's, Never mind. it's better you than me. I just remember <laughs> when records were like seven ninety nine. Oh yeah. CDs were like eighteen bucks, and I would go, "Well, I could get two records for the price of one CD, so I'm going to get the records, or I could get two cassettes or three cassettes for the price of one CD, and I'm going to get those." And now you really don't have the records are like because they stopped processing records for a while and they had to rebuild record plants because vinyl because uh yeah came back now it's reversed oh, now oh, CDs so, are so, and rec records are expensive yeah you get a CD for nine bucks and now you get a record yeah. for twenty <laughs> yep like, damn. so so um was I mistaken when I said one hundred and twenty five oh, yeah. and it was actually twenty five yes twenty five yes. okay <laughs> my bad. Poopy. 25, right. well, we know, 25 like steak, I would say, is actually not that big of a deal with our economy. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into this album. Uh, Symbol of Salvation is the fourth album by heavy metal band Armored Saint, released in 1991 on Metal Blade Records. It was the first release with guitarist Jeff Duncan <laughs> as Dave Pritchard uh, died of um, leukemia. 1990 prior to the recording of this but we'll get into the song where he does have a solo on it we'll talk about that when we get to the song uh this album was written and demoed in 1988 1989 with the original guitarist dave pritchard except uh truth always hurts who died of leukemia in 1990 prior to recording uh this is a pretty cool album and the thing is with armored saint i didn't get into him till after i heard of the sound of white noise so mm -hmm. my friend told me, you don't know, can you deliver? I go, what the fuck is that? That's John Bush in Armored Saint. Who the fuck is Armored Saint? That <laughs> um, <laughs> was like after the I, I thought to myself, when you picked this album, why didn't you know that song? Sorry. It's like, um, I got into this band late, and I don't know as much about them as Brian knows, because I was like <laughs> into the Anthrax, John Bush, until my friend called me out and said, you need to go back and listen to Armored Saint, they're much better. Which I, I like. You know fans. what I will say, really quickly. The fact that we're doing this album means that I got to hear more of a group that I love that I wouldn't have heard otherwise. So well, it's all good, buddy. We <laughs> did do Win Hands Down a few like a year ago, over it two right. years ago. Pretty. I don't fucking remember that. <laughs> Are you saying it's like? You had sex with an anteater <laughs> 10 years ago. What the fuck? Why do you have to mention that shit? I'm going to have to try and remember that. Because I don't remember wins, win and whatever the fuck it is. But actually, wins and down. I don't remember that. It was all. funny because that podcast taught me a lesson because when I edited it and put it up, I put it up out of order. I put the mm. spots backwards, and then when I, I went and listened to it an hour later, I go, oh, shit, and I already had 10 downloads. So I had to <laughs> take it out and redo it, and I learned a lesson. Never edit when you're drunk. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is, it on the, is it on the website? Yes, it's on the website. I, 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 I don't even like remember that album. But I, I lost I, downloads. I, you're... you're, you're I don't even remember that album. Yeah, but, but I'll, I'll... It, it was a, it was 125 episodes ago. We. 
I'm I'm gonna look into it just to find out. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Brian sure. and Mark and 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 everyone more um, together than I am right at the moment. <laughs> okay, Brian, tell us your uh, Armor Saint history. Well, what's funny is uh, I'm the same as you, Mark. I I got into Armored Saint late. Uh, I'm a little bit younger than you, so I'm, I'm in my early 40s. So when I started getting hard rock and metal, I it was towards the late 80s, early 90s. And so when I heard Sound of White Noise, just like you, and I was so into it because I, I didn't get into Belladonna at all till till later. So John Bush was kind of like my first uh, uh, Anthrax singer. And so same thing. A buddy said, well, have you heard of Armored Saint? And I said, no. And, and then he played Symbol of Salvation. So Symbol of Salvation was really the, the first Armored Saint album that I had heard. And then I just loved it. And I had to go back and, and get everything. And uh, yeah, this is a really a bittersweet album. Not, not just for Armored Saint, but also the fans. Because as you said, they lost uh, the founding member, member and uh, guitar player Dave Pritchard. And uh so even though he had started to, to write with them, I mean, how difficult it is for a band to, to lose one of their brothers and then get, you know, another guitar player in. Though Jeff Duncan was kind of already in Armored Saint touring it, you know, with David Pritchard. So that was cool. And then they brought back Phil Sandoval, who's, of course, the brother of uh, Gonzo, the drummer. And so Phil was on the first album, uh, March of the Saint. And then he had his own personal issues and then he was gone and, and Dave was doing all the... Um, the guitar playing. So it, it was kind of natural to have a, a dual guitar attack back. And, uh, and, I, and they really just carried on. And I would say if you're new to Armored Saint, this is probably the best album to start with. Because as we'll find out, it's got so many different ranges of styles. And, uh, and John Bush, for me, is one of the best singers in, in rock and metal. Just that, that voice is perfect for that. So, yeah, this is, uh, I, I'd say this is a great album to start with if you're looking to get into Armored Saint. Yeah, the thing is, that got me into uh, the Anthrax, John Bush. I was watching Beavis and Butthead, and I saw them going, aye, aye, to High Pro Glow. <laughs> right. I go, yes. that song rules. <laughs> I went and bopped that it. That whole album rules. That, oh, that yeah. is a good album. Yeah. I'm just yeah. hoping. I it, don't yeah. agree that it's the album to start with, but I'm not going to say that you're wrong. I'm just saying that I disagree. No. I'll I, shut I, up I, for I, right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, no I, 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 I personally think Delirious Nomad is the better album to start with. Okay, yeah, I mean, it depends what, where you're coming from. If you're looking for a wide range of styles, uh, you're going to get everything here. I, I think if you're just looking for pure 80s metal, like, you know, kind of a cross between, not hair metal, but just like traditional metal and, and a little bit of thrash, I mean, that's where um, Delirious Nomad would be perfect for you. Yeah, this one... Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in other words... If you're only looking for fat um, in the stomach for rednecks, then it's delirious redneck. Um, um, Otherwise, um, 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 whatever the album is that we're doing, um, uh, um, it's... it's, I I think it's it's, a symbol of the beast. Yes. Okay, okay. I'm... (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll shut up now. Right. Well, I, I got this off of a website where they're talking about this album. It says it's too melodic for thrash, too heavy for hair, and too American to be the uh, new wave of British heavy metal. Armored Saint were the ugly duckling of 80s metal. Their story is almost epic, as the name implies. Eternal hope brought down by constant disappointment. Brothers in metal banding together. 
uh, while bad fortune, bad timing, and tragedy threatened to destroy them. In the end, it's a tale of a close-knit family united by friendship and mutual love of music together against the world when it seemed like the world won. Well, that's the so thing about So, in other words, it, 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 it was a, it was a poem. It was a poem <laughs> right, that, Brian, that, that, that you were saying. I'm well, sorry. <laughs> No, no, that, I, I like when Lee chimes in, of course, he's, he's the chief. Um, I, I chimed in and I'm not going to shut up now. <laughs> the thing about Armored Saint is they were always kind of uh, those tweener bands. They were in the, like, kind of in the middle. As you said, they weren't as, they were way heavier than Rat, way heavier than Molly Crew, those bands, but they weren't as heavy as, the, like, the big four of Thrash. So they were, yeah, they were kind of in that weird limbo area where I think, um, you know, I, I I would assume Judas Priest fans, Maiden fans would have been really in, into them, but maybe I, I, yeah, it's just weird. They just kind of never really took off like they should have, and it, it's a shame because every single album they put out is is high quality. Yeah, it, it's it's really good. And I, I this band, I think a lot of the '80s bands they 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 destroyed them. I think they're better than Rat, and I love Rat. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, oh, hell yeah. Way better than Rat, but Rat got the fame because they had the look, you know, uh, Armored Saint. They've I got think... two people on Facebook who keep saying their their music over and over and over and over <laughs> again. I'm not going to give names, but I guess... Some people know who I mean. Well, anyway, go on. Looking at older pictures of John Bush with hair, it looks funny. <laughs> with him with long hair, oh, he looks better bald. <laughs> it, it does wow. look weird. Yeah, yeah it, weird. They, they were your, your sexy band like Rat and Molly Crew and everything. So yeah, to get them on MTV would have been uh, not difficult, but it's just where where do you fit? And, and that's the problem with the, the music industry is they try to put you into certain genres. And if you don't fit that little cookie cutter... Uh, you kind of get, you know, you fall by the wayside. I also think being on Chrysalis, that that wasn't a good label for them either. I think if they had started on Metal Blade, uh, they might have done, they might have, you know, steered a, a proper course where, you know, like Slayer and, and Metallica and, and bands like that. It's like Chrysalis yeah. and RCA records were terrible for metal bands. <laughs> yeah, it was just like they, they totally missed the boat. I mean, I know UFO was on Chrysalis, but still, that you know, different. different yeah, things. yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Hugh yeah. Lewis and the News and Pat Benatar did on the, good on those labels, but they promoted Yeah, Billy Idol. Yeah. Billy Idol, yeah. Yep. Uh, so, well, let's get into this record now. Uh, so we get into the first track, Reign of Fire. What did you think about this one, Brian? Oh, I mean, look, this is an unbelievable opener. It's actually one of their best songs, and all of their album openers are, are kick-ass, and, and this might be the best. I mean, this kind of sets the tone for the album the, the entire way through. Uh, John Bush comes out just on fire. Pat, you know, his, his amazing raspy vocals and uh, his, his screams that go into the chorus. I mean, that's what makes Armored Saints so unique. Uh, they can groove, they can be melodic, and then they still have this great raspy singer. I mean, for me, it's like the heavy metal Aerosmith in many ways. Uh, he's kind of got that Steven Tyler type of rasp. The riffs on this song are great. They're just like buzz saws. And then the under, unsung hero of this band really has always been Joey Vera because he's not only a songwriter, uh, eventually he became one of the producers, and then uh, one of the most underrated drummers is Gonzo because he's just going to town at the end. And, uh, and if you really listen closely, Joey Vera starts to throw in some of these awesome bass fills that match with Gonzo's drumming. It's terrific. It's a perfect way to start the album. 
And uh, as we had mentioned earlier, Dave Pritchard did have a hand in writing a lot of these songs. He wrote eight of the 13 songs that are on this album, and this is one of them, the music at least. And I think that's only fitting to have one of his songs start the album. And you'll appreciate this, Mark. According to John Bush, uh, the band went to go see the movie The Witches of Eastwick at the time, which had Jack Nicholson and Cher, Michelle Pfeiffer, Susan Sarandon. And Dave Pritchard wanted to write a song kind of about magic and black magic and girls, and he was totally inspired by Jack Nicholson's character. So that's where Rain of Fire comes from. I need to watch that movie again. I love that movie. Watch it yeah, again. it's a little underrated. It probably should be. I, 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 I read the book. I oh, there you go. see the movie. Oopsie. <laughs> It's like I, I, don't, I don't I don't I uh, don't read the books of Harry Potter because I think the books will ruin the movie for me. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to read um 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 the the books of um um um, um I'm I'm trying to think um little little like the three little pigs because the movie will ruin it for you. <laughs> yeah, none of those old well, fairy tales. Well, yeah, because all my all the people who uh, read the Harry Potter books say. Mm. The books are much better than the movie. I said, well, I don't want to, I love the movies. I ain't going to let the books ruin the movie for me. <laughs> so. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there, you can put so much details into a book uh, that you just, you can't possibly do it for just time purposes in, in, in a film. So it's really tough. But then you have like The Hobbit, which I'm not a big Hobbit guy, but they basically made a, a short book into a, a huge epic. You know, there, there's no way they, that it was that long. So sometimes they take creative license. Yeah, that was supposed to only be one movie, and they divided it into three. So well, that's where you know money comes into play. They they have a winner. They're gonna milk it. Yeah, I like those yep. movies. But, well, there you go. Yeah. So then, uh, Lee, what did you think of Rain of Fire? I thought that I was trying to get away from talking about with my. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, it's an all right song. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I like the guitar riff pretty well. The drums, I'm not crazy for. The beat sounds like the drums have yet to get off the ground, but the rest of the band plays well. It's a pretty decent song overall. I said this song comes in hard and fast with a killer rhythm. Bush is like the best metal vocalist besides Dio. Uh, classic Saint here. I love this song. I love, it's a great song to start the album. It tells you where it's going to go. Freaking love it. And then we get to the next song, Dropping Like Flies. What did you think about this one, Brian? Yeah, this is another Dave Pritchard track. Uh, this one is actually a little bit different, Farmer Tate. And this is where I was talking about kind of the, the diversity of the album, a little bit different than the, the three albums in the 80s. It's more melodic, but it's not commercial at all. And, and it's still got that, that Saint groove, uh, but doesn't sound like anything they've done before, which I think is cool. You know, the band's growing. And I, again, this is their most diverse album. It's also their most diverse second song on an album. Because if you go back, you think of it, you have Can You Deliver, huge riff, like totally a rocker. Then you get Nervous Man, same thing. And then they do the cover of Saturday Night Special, which is you know sped up on Raising Fear. They're all rippers. So here you get an early sense that this, this album is going to be different than any other Armored Sane album. Great dual guitar work between uh, Phil and Jeff. And that's definitely the highlight of the song for me. The song's actually about uh, the record industry and um, and people losing their jobs, you know, like kind of the A&R people, things like that. And and the band, as I had mentioned, always kind of had a contentious relationship with their their label, Chrysalis. And so for them, this was kind of like karma, hearing like these so-called experts at the label who kind of make or break the bands. They're now getting dropped from their own gig. 
So that's what dropping like flies means. What did you think about it, Lee? Oh, I like this one, including the drum beat. It sounds like the Armored Saints I like. It doesn't sound like their first two albums, but it sounds like the same band. I think that's cool. They're able to progress, but still sound like them. Right on. Nice. I think the song has such a killer groove. I love my metal with a groove. Most of my metal has a groove. It doesn't have a groove and it's just straight. I, I really can't get into it. I think that's mm-hmm. why I don't get into Slayer. They don't have much of a groove for me. Metallica does. And Megadeth does. But uh, I like it. With oh, I, I, th- I, oh, I think Slayer's definitely got a groove. I think, you know, like uh, Rain and Blood and stuff like that. I think there I are I love there are their lifestyle a lot. I think it's because of the vocalist. I really can't. Oh, there it. you go. Yeah. I get that. His vocalist doesn't have a groove to me. John Bush has. A I, I didn't mean groove. to interrupt you. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brian. But but no, I was no, only going to say and I, guess, I love their I love their last album. And the dual but, solo ro- rules on this. It's go. It's fire, and it just it just rules. I love this song. And then we get to the next song, and I picked this song because I really love this song. It's the only song. Uh, well, Jeff Duncan, first song that he had uh, helped with. Uh, he did yep. the music on this song. This is Last Train Home by Armored Saint on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
Okay, that was Last Train Home. What do you think about that one, Brian? Yeah, this is also, I, I believe, their only other video they did for this album. Um, they also they did one for Rain of Fire, of course. Uh, this is by far the most commercial and mainstream accessible song that they ever did. Uh, but again, doesn't feel forced. Uh, and this should have been a major hit for them. Uh, huge chorus. The riffs aren't crazy heavy to scare off like kind of the non-metal crowd. It's just a really well-done mid-tempo rock song. It should have been great. Uh, and again, as uh, Mark mentioned, it was uh, written by Jeff Duncan. And uh, I, I had mentioned earlier that he was in the band uh, touring when Dave was still alive. So Dave heard some of Jeff's riffs, and this is one that really stood out to him. And a really cool guitar solo that goes back into the breakdown. Uh, but for me, the highlight of this song is like the last two minutes. John Bush kind of changes the chorus. He goes to even a higher octave, and it just gives me chills. It's so good. It's so brilliant. I, I want to hear Lee eventually do it, uh, but we're not there yet. So it, it, it's brilliant. It segs into the guitar solo, just soars, and, and that's really what sells the song for me. So John Bush actually tells a funny story about the video of this song. So I guess at the time, the video was in competition on MTV, with a show called Skull Crusher, and they ended up losing <laughs> to Danger Danger, oh, which is kind of, yeah, so it just shows you how stupid these MTV competitions were. And, and a lot of this, these stories, uh, I really highly recommend, go, if you can still find it, there's a three-disc three reissue from Metal Blade, where the band actually talks about uh, all everything about the album, track by track, things like that. And they also include all of the demos for it, which have Dave Pritchard on it. So really, if you like this album, uh, go all in and get as much as you can. Yeah, I just got the vinyl of it because you told me it was still available. So yeah, I'm, good I'm job, in, man. I've been looking for Rain of Fire, Wind Hands. I should have bought Wind Hands down on vinyl. I got the CD right when it came out, but I yeah. didn't get the freaking vinyl. Now it's not available. Uh, that's why I'm kind of happy that the Anthrax is doing the, uh, the uh, what's that album they're reissuing? Uh, 3D Persistence? Vin yeah, Persistence yeah. of Time. And because yeah. I go, oh, the next album should be Sound of White Noise. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I, I agree. If they're yeah. going in order, because they've been going in order on these anniversary editions. So I, 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 I'm craving to get Sound of White Noise, and I hope they put the uh, B-sides on there, too. Well, they may they may actually go. Oh, I hope they don't, but they might do the um, the Killer Bees one. Yeah, I, I love the Killer Bees one. Yeah, but, but Anthrax does the best uh, covers with Bush and Belladonna. It's Agreed. Like, yeah, freaking Agreed. cool. So, what do you think of uh, Last Train Home, Lee? This sounds like it could have been on Delirious Nomad. Mm -hmm. I like it. The guitar sound is cool, and the song is interesting. Two thumbs up. Nice. So uh, this is what I thought of it. Uh, this is my favorite song of the album. Wow. Uh, I just love the pumping bass and the drum sound on this and how Bush is just flowing on this one with his vocals. Uh, his vocals have so much power and the guitar is so hard. It's so hard to explain how the guitars sound in this song. It's just like, it's off the wall for me. It's so, the guitar harmonies are so good. And this is a perfect song for me by them. I love this track. Yeah. And um, then we get to the next track, which is Tribal Dance. What did you think about this one, Brian? Oh, yeah. this. <laughs> when you talk about groove and different types of band, because this has almost got a, like a Latin flavor to it. You know, the last two songs, they're kind of slow burners. Uh, old school fans might be thinking, okay, when, when are they going to start ripping? You know, when are they going to start getting the heavy stuff? Well, that's where Tribal Dance 
just totally delivers, no pun intended. Uh, what a groove on this. I mean, it's got it. It's got the, the word dance in it. And, uh, oh, what a riff. And, and just the, the tribal drum intro smokes. And uh, I think Dave brought in the initial riff during the writing. Uh, but then the music is then co-written by Joey Vera and Gonzo. And then the tribal drums in the beginning uh, were actually done by Dave's uh, high school friend who was a guru of sorts, very spiritual. He studied in India about per like percussion instruments. Are you okay there, Lee? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was trying to put the phone away so that you couldn't hear me cough. <laughs> now we can hear you. I'm going to have to do some voodoo on you, some tribal voodoo. <laughs> All right, but, but, but please, please try to ignore it because he's I'm not doing that on purpose. He's hacking, up, he's hacking up a hairball. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so, so Gonzo actually ended up studying with this guru as well. And so then he came in, uh, the, the guru, and he was actually uh, recorded, laying down that intro, and, and uh, totally and, you know, adds the authenticity of the track. Uh, this song always rules in concert. I, I've been fortunate enough to see uh, Armored Saint three times and it always gets, it's a surefire way to get the, the crowd into the show and, and perfect use of gang vocals, which is kind of a staple of the late 80s and, and before. And uh, yeah, I just, I love the call and the response. Really a well-crafted, funky metal song. And, and the song itself is about the fallacy and the hypocrisy of the drug war. So, you know, the movies like Traffic, uh, you know, you can't you can't have a war on drugs without drugs themselves. They kind of go hand to hand. The two need each other. So to eliminate drugs completely would kill millions of dollars spent on trying to keep them out. So you gotta you gotta love that. So that was what um, John Bush was writing about. Yeah, I think the war on drugs was fake. <laughs> oh yeah, you got, <laughs> they both need each other. It's all well, money. The CIA used that money for lots of things. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Right, so what did you think about Travel Dance, Lee? I like the beginning with the kind of Latin drumming rhythm that goes totally into a metal song. It's original, and I really dig it. This could have been a single, in my opinion. Yeah, I love the tribal beat and that bass riff. And then the dirty groove comes in, fucking rules. Uh, the drums rule on this song, and also it's so rhythmic. I love this song. Freaking, it's got oh, that dirty great. groove going through it. I just love that groove. It's like it's like sleaze, like Aerosmith to me. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's like yeah, sleazy Aerosmith, but but a little bit heavier and, and definitely uh, you know kind of a, that Latin flavor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it, yeah. nobody sounds like that. And freaking Bush's vocals, <laughs> terrific, great. And then we get to the next track, which is a, a instrumental half drawn bridge. Which you, wait, no, oh, oh no, you the truth yep. always hurts. Not the. <laughs> I skipped a song. The Truth Always Hurts. What do you think about this one, Brian? Well, The Truth Always Hurts when you skip the song. We're going to call you on it, Mark. So there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, how do you follow a, a burner like Tribal Dance with an amazing mid-tempo song that should have been a radio hit as well? This song is so accessible without selling out. And John Bush just shines on this. He's got that swagger, the raspy soul that only he can do. And, and you just wait for those screams at, towards the end of the track. So good. And it, the song kind of has an over-the-edge vibe, you know, for those that like Delirious Nomad. Check that out. Compare it. It's kind of similar. The song, which, hmm? which one? Do, which, which song to compare? Uh, over the Edge. Oh, okay. Thanks. I, I yeah. only asked because I'll find out later cool. when, I, when I do that. 
I, I, for me, the song had to be influenced by those great rock bands from the 70s because this could have been a Deep Purple type of song, you know, like kind of the Coverdale Hughes era. It's got that bluesy swagger. And, and again, this is why Saints always been one of my my favorites because they can do any style and it can sound natural. Uh, the music was co-written by Phil and Jeff. The intro riffs from Phil. And the song itself is about a girl that John used to date and know back in the day. So this is kind of telling her to back off a little bit. You know, the truth always hurts. And uh, one other note, uh, the song Den of Thieves, which eventually came on the next album when they reunited about 10 years later on Revelation, uh, this was written and demoed the same time as The Truth Always Hurts. And uh, Den of Thieves actually almost made this album, and it's a terrific song on Revelation. So what did you think about this song, Lee? It's okay, but not great. It's a bluesy kind of song, but I think... Another type of group like Steppenwolf could have done a better job of it. Mm. <laughs> and then I love Bush. He screams <laughs> in this song. So mm -hmm. it's like Grootastic. His scream is like have a, has a groove to it. Yeah. Uh, killer breaks, slow it down, and Bush screams his ass off. I love this song. It rolls. <laughs> As I, he screams, but it's freaking for purpose. It's not just to scream, just to scream like some bands do. Like yeah. I do when I get angry at you. <laughs> yeah, the Hulk. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, now... no, but it kind of reminds you of like kind of the old soul guys. You know, like when uh, Wilson Pickett would do like kind of like his scream or or James Brown. Like it, it you know, screams have different uh, connotations and, and they can use for effect. And that's what John Bush does. Yeah, it has a reason. It's just not out of place. His screams right. are very perfectly placed. Mm -hmm. That's right. And yeah. uh, now we get to the instrumental, Half Drunk Bridge. What did you think about this one, uh, Brian? So this is written by Joey Vera. It, it's well done. I think it's kind of misplaced in the middle of an album. Uh, and I'm not sure it had to really be a standalone song. I think it could have just been tacked on to um, the, the next song. Uh, but it kind of does have a Jeff Beck, Gary Moore sort of vibe to it, guitar-wise, which I think is cool. Um, as it turns out, this was never planned to be on the record. Uh, Joey was playing this in the studio, and the produ producer, Dave Jordan, heard it, and he thought it should be on the album. And, and also, Dave Jordan, we forgot to mention, he was actually the producer in Sound of White Noise, eventually, so there's kind of a connection. Uh, the song itself, the name comes uh, from an unfinished Dave Pritchard drawing, where he was drawing Joey, and he used to call Joey a troll. That was his nickname. And so Joey, Joey was under the bridge, and, and Dave would do these drawings when he was sick in the hospital, going through his treatment. So uh, that's the title. It's kind of a play on words, a half-drawn bridge. And so it's got a mm -hmm. double meaning. So, you know, drawing as, as drawn and then half-drawn bridge as the bridge itself. So that's where mm -hmm. it comes from. Yeah. So what do you think of it? Cool. It's a small instrumental, but I really like it. And so far, it's one of the better songs on the album. Yeah, I... I I think this should have been an intro, like you said, Brian, to the next song. Yeah. But the guitarist is so good, so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> it, yeah. it, no, I get it. Yeah. It is a pretty standout <laughs> instrumental. It just sounded like it could have like totally been the start of uh, the next song, Another Day. Uh, right. Then we get into the song, Another Day. What do you think about this one, Brian? Yeah, this is a full-on ballad, completely written by Dave Pritchard. Uh, John Bush really gets the shine on this one. Kind of shows his diversity, his range in his vocal style. Like, he can sing metal, but he can also, he can go soft if he wants to. It really does kick in about the halfway point, and he gets some really great melodic solos. 
And uh, both Phil and Jeff kind of channeled Dave on this, which must have been difficult for them because, you know, how do you replace the demos? That's, that's really hard. And, and another song that may, you know, could have been a radio hit possibly, uh, or, or they could have created a video for it on MTV. Who knows? Uh, lyrically, uh, it could be said, it could mean a few things. It could maybe mean what Dave was going through health-wise, you know, try to live another day. But it also could have meant the band as a whole, what they were going on. Because if you think about it, this was kind of their make-or-break album. And, you know, they had had their chance through the 80s, and they never quite hit it big. And then, you know, could they exist uh, without Dave Pritchard, without their, um, you know, their, their founding guitar player? And so... Um, yeah, this is a very powerful song emotionally. If you really kind of kind of think about the time and the place and, and what they were singing about, what did you think about it, Lee? The first part was slightly interesting, but made me feel it wasn't so hot. But then when it got faster, I felt it was a very cool surprise. It reminded me of what music should do: mm. be surprising and get people moving and happy. This song did that. Yeah, it's like uh, what Brian said on there. It shows Bush's range. Mm-hmm. The bass on this song is incredible. Starts off, very, this song starts off very slow, melodic. Then the song goes into a killer time signature and speeds up. I love songs that start off slow and then go fast. Mm-hmm. It, it just gives you something like a surprise, and I love it. And the solo is so good. What a great song that shows off shows the band off. I think this is a really great song for the whole band. Really great. Yeah. And then we get into the song that you picked, Brian, Symbol of Salvation. So here's Symbol of Salvation on the Freeform Rock Podcast. Let's go. 
Okay, that was Symbol of Salvation. Uh, Brian, why'd you pick this track? Well, it's my second favorite song on the album, and oh man, what a monster, monster riff. Uh, co-written, music-wise, by Jeff and Joey. And that the initial riff actually was written by Jeff, and uh, that again was kind of the highlight back in the day when, when, when Dave was still demoing. That's, this stood out to Dave in that early writing process. Totally in your face. It's kind of like a, a, a sister or a brother to tribal dance in many ways. Uh, the riff does not stop on this one. Solos are perfect. Joey's bass all over the place. And, and then, you, for me, you get the best breakdown in the entire album. Whoa. This, perfect. The breakdown from hell. You have kind of Gonzo staying in the pocket. Joey's kind of creeping in with the bass. And then John's using his low range. And then he just belts out this huge vocal over some power riffs before going back in the chorus. It is magic. It's goosebumps every time. And then the song kicks back into the main riff. It's great. If you're listening on headphones, the last part of the song has kind of different vocals from John going back and forth in the channels. It's total earphone candy. It's terrific. Fun fact. Yo, sorry. <laughs> A few more things. Yeah. Great fun fact, and, and you guys will appreciate this. The, the part where John says fuck uh, before kind of going into the soul was actually an accident because his voice cracked a little bit in the verse priors, but they decided to leave it in because it sounded so cool. And uh, this is also the, the first of two songs to have lyrics co-written by someone that wasn't John Bush. In this case, it was co-written by Gonzo. He came up with the actual title of Symbol of Salvation. The original title was very weird. It was called Helmet of Salvation, which sounds very awkward. Symbol of Salvation is so much better. Uh, it's a great album title. And originally, they wanted to call the album Carpe Diem. That was the working title. So luckily, they changed it to Symbol of Salvation. And then they put Carpe Diem and uh, went hands down. But it, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, Good call. And then they had the yep. live album Carpe Diem. You know. <laughs> Exactly. So they kept it. So good, good call there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They they like that word. <laughs> they did. They did. What'd you think about this song, Lee? I thought this was more of a paint by numbers song. I like the other songs on the album somewhat more, but I don't hate it. Yeah, I I love the opening riff, and with headphones, you hear what a great bass player Joey Vera is. Yes, he's yes. so underrated, even by me. I didn't know how good he was till this review. I said oh, I sure. suck. <laughs> and then uh, the break, like he said, the break is killer. I love the break, and it's also the title, great title track. Freaking huh? Joey Vera, man! I'm hearing all these fills on this whole album, and uh, I had to write it down on this song because he he goes off. You don't r really think of him. When I first heard of Joey Vera, I thought he was a guitar player because he was so instrumental in. Right. In this band, and I didn't realize he was a bass player until I started listening to him. I go, oh god, he's a bass player. And then I started listening to this album for this review, and I go, I'm listening to it on headphones and not in my car stereo, and I could hear his bass playing so clearly. It's so freaking awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. well, well, actually, if you see them live and they play Aftermath, Joey's the one that actually plays acoustic guitar just to start the song. So yeah, he's totally musical. He and and actually, he would have been a good fit to to replace Cliff and and Metallica. I think he would have fit right in because he's also a songwriter. Yeah, yeah, I think that that would have been cool. Mm -hmm. I think that if they had shut up Lars and told him shut your mouth and mm -hmm. let and let and let the Armored Saint guy give some say, yeah. it would have been better. Uh, I I don't disagree. <laughs> All right, let's get into the next song, Hanging Judge. What did you think about this one, Brian? Yeah, for me, it's tough to follow up symbol. Again, I, I love that song. 
But Hanging Judge is a solid song, and this, and this was written by Dave Pritchard, too. Uh, it also, for me, sounds like it could have been Delirious Nomad or Raising Fear. Uh, it kind of got that gallop that Dave Pritchard was known for. And, uh, and I seem to say this on the, every song, but it's true. John Bush singing in his guts out on this one. Killer guitar solo as well. Uh, and then it kind of goes into a twin guitar park and then kicks back into the vocals. Great. And, and wait for John Bush at the end. Tremendous. Really, really good. Interestingly, Joey didn't really like this song when they when they recorded it. Brian Slagle, who of course is the founder of Metal Blade, he loved it, and and it's his favorite. It's his favorite song on the album, which is crazy. Uh, Joey thought it sounded too dated at the time, but then he kind of softened his stance later, and uh, it was on the Hellraiser three movie. So there you go. Dang. So what did you think about it, uh, Lee? This is a bit overblown and not great. It sounds a little too much of operatic rock, but I don't hate it, and I can see some odd charm in it. Whoa, what was that? I, I didn't hear I, that, that. That wasn't me, but I said, and I can see some odd charm in it. Okay, I heard a whoosh. Okay. That wasn't me. All right. And then, yeah. All right, go ahead, Brian. Oh, no. <laughs> I was just laughing. <laughs> All right. Okay, I, I, great opening rift and drums. Um, and then I noticed that Gonzo can play also. Freaking, I love oh, yeah. Vocal melodies and the guitar is going off on this one. I love this track. And then we get to the uh, next song, which is uh, Warzone. What did you think about this one, Brian? Yeah, this one definitely could have been on Raising Fear, which was the album that came before this. Uh, another Dave Pritchard song, killer intro riff, sounds like vintage Armored Saint. Probably the most by-the-book Saint song, I would say, you know, for at least the Chrysalis years. Uh, and that isn't a knock at all. It basically shows you how fresh and diverse the album was uh, that they had, you know, led up to this point compared to what the band had accomplished uh, on earlier albums. And and a fun fact that, that Mark's going to love this one, this is one of Mike Piazza's favorite saint songs of, of course mike Gaza played for the dodgers he went to the mets and he's a hall of fame catcher so the there you go <laughs> <laughs> but he was on the yeah he went in as a med yeah he, was, he should he have started, been went in as a half <laughs> I, well yeah i mean look he, he, the only reason he got drafted was because he was friends with uh tommy lasorda he was a family friend with tommy lasorda so yeah, there you go but he was friends with tommy lasorda but that was a yeah. crappy trade to florida we got gary sheffield but it's still a crap oh, because they're on the contract yeah, he was on the Marlins for literally like three days, and then yeah. he went to the Mets. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're big baseball fans, too, so there yeah. you go. <laughs> I remember seeing Gary Sheffield opening day. We won one to nothing in his first game. He hit the home yep. run. <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> against, Sheffield. Your against your Giants. I know, I know. Oral Sheffield Hershiser, was the man, though. And Oral Hershiser, that was his last win as a Major League Baseball player. <laughs> oh, there you go. See? There you go. Yeah. Good enough. Because he actually came back to the Dodgers from the Giants. And then he sucked after that game. <laughs> well, he was like in his late 30s at that point, but nobody will ever forget 1988, man. He was he had one of the best pitching seasons of all time. Yeah, I love that guy, and he's one of our announcers right now. So I love oh, he, he's a he's a great. I, I was upset when he left uh, Sunday Night Baseball. I, he was one of the best commentators. Yeah, I, I love him on uh, the Dodger broadcast. Now he gets yeah a great perspective on stuff. But uh, I miss Vin. everyone misses Vin. Yeah, I miss Vin too. But uh, Joe Davis is pretty damn good. And, oh, yeah. It just, uh, how do you replace a legend, you know? And, and on the radio, we have Charlie Steiner. He's pretty good, too. And uh, yep. Rick Monday. Uh, yep. 
Roger. And then, uh, Lee, what did you think of the song? It kind of had an intense Aerosmith vibe in the beat, and the guitar solo was really good, but the song sounded filler to me, like it could have been better. It sounded like a track they added to fill space. I said, oh my, what a what a metal, killer metal opening. And the fucking groove reminds me of Dawkins' Mr. Scary. Uh, mm. A little, uh, it has that, that down, 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 you know, it, it, yeah. that groove that uh, George had. Uh, yep. But it, this was way after Mr. Scary. <laughs> a oh, yeah. This song kicks ass. Bush is ear candy to me. It is it me, or does Bush follow the drums with his vocals? Yeah, that's a good call. I like that, yeah. Yeah, I think he follows the drums with his vocals on this one. It's like, it's pretty cool, damn killer to me. And then we mm -hmm. get to the next song, which is Burning Question, which is Lee's first pick off this album. So here's Burning Question by uh, Armored Saint on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
burning question. Why'd you pick that track, Lee? This is a great song. The melody has a more somber ballad mood, even though this is not a ballad. But the way they play and the song itself is really great. This is an example of a great song on the album. What did you think about it, Brian? Yeah, it's also another Dave Pritchard song. Uh, and again, it's just such a shame he didn't get to to really play on this album, uh, you know, because it, it would have been interesting how it turned out. I don't know if it could get any better because of what uh, Jeff and Phil ended up doing. But yeah, it's just a shame he didn't get to play on it. But it, it's kind of, for me, it's kind of sounds like a cross between Dropping Like Flies and, and Last Train Home. You know, the vocals are kind of closer to Last Train Home, but the music is sort of like Dropping Like Flies. It's a cool deep track. Uh, this is kind of an album in, a, in in the truest sense all of the songs kind of fit perfectly in order and and this might kind of be a slow burner for some listeners it might not stick out compared to others but it fits really well in the context of the album and uh interestingly enough john bush actually prefers his vocals on the demo of this song over the final version so i'm not sure i really agree uh but i'm not close to the song like he would be uh, I think his vocals sound great on, on the demos as well. And, and you can hear the demo again if you find that, that three-disc deluxe edition that Metal Blade put out. Yeah, I'm going to need to get that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. Yep. And um, what do I think about this song? Uh, this is a really cool song. It's my least favorite on it, but it, it's still a good song. <laughs> I mm -hmm. love it. Uh, but it's, it's interesting because Lee, we're, we're, Mark and I yeah. are pretty much on, and then Lee has a different I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm biting my tongue, mm -hmm. wanting to say shit, but I'm, I'm not doing it because I respect both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Because when you, when you said it sounded like Phil, or I was going to say, you sound like Phil or Lee, but I didn't do that. Well, hey, 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 man. Um, <laughs> um, I, I would have probably said something like, yeah, man, filler, 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 dealer, dealer, blah, 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 blah. I, I would have made fun with it. I'm glad. I'm glad we got it out there. So at least it's out there now. It's all good, man. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad you're able to say what you say, and that your pounds go into my stomach, so I become fatter. There you go. See, <laughs> killer filler. All right, we good. Yeah, on. yeah. Ow, ow. <laughs> so we get to the next song, uh, Tainted Pass, that Brian picked. So here's uh, Tainted Pass on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
Okay, that was Tainted Past. Why'd you pick that track, uh, Brian? Well, it's my, my favorite song on the album. And uh, I, Aftermath from uh, Delirious Nomad is my all-time favorite Armored Saint song. Tainted Past is a very close second. Uh, the band is just awesome at writing melodic songs. Uh, check out Take a Turn from the debut album. Uh, so I'm, I'm very drawn to their, their melodic, their soulful tracks. And for me, this is the epitome of that. And this is the only song where Dave Pritchard's guitar work actually appears on the album. Uh, it comes from the original demo from 89. It's, it's, it's perfectly haunting. It's chilling. It's, it's great. And, and seriously, I, for me, the, knowing this, the arms, you know, the hair on your arms kind of stand up during that, that first solo because it's Dave's. And so many layers and textures on this, this song. There's some wonderful chord progressions. And, and between the bass sound, the acoustic guitar, and then the power chords, and of course you got John Bush's vocal, it's a true masterpiece to my ears. And then the music was written by Joey Vera, and, and the only other song to have lyrics written uh, by co-writers, which was Gonzo and Joey. If you go back to having you know Dave Soul on there, a lot of effort was put into having an older solo, you know, a demo, kind of fit into a newly recorded song because they don't have Pro Tools back then. And so this, the solo wasn't in the same key. So the producers weren't sure if they could find the, the correct tuning to, you know, but listening to it, you wouldn't know it's a demo. It, they did an amazing job and it just sounds like it was part of the organic recording process. Uh, and again, I would check out the demo because the original, uh, or not the demo, but the on Nod to the Old School, which was uh, full of demos and things like that. They do an acoustic version that is terrific terrific definitely check that out what do you think about the song lee i'll i'll say it in as nice of a way as i can <laughs> it's okay um, lee. <laughs> um okay um parts of the song were among my favorite parts of the album but there were other parts of the song that didn't do much for me you can ignore what i said but <laughs> so it was a mixed bag it was okay but i think the way it started should have continued more on during the song's progression, but it didn't sustain it. And I wasn't a big fan of the parts of the song that seemed lackluster to me. See, then you might actually like the, the acoustic version of Nod to the Old School because it just. Oh, it, it I, oh yeah. absolutely. That, 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 that was the part that I loved. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I, I thought it was like part fantastic, part not, mm -hmm. but. But, 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 hey, if, if you're telling me this, I'll go check it out. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, nod to the old school and then and that acoustic version. Yeah, right this, on. This is the epic on the album with the killer acoustic guitar to start the song. The song is my second favorite off, off this album. The song just has everything in it. Great crafted grooves and riffs with a killer break and killer vocal harmonies by Bush. Love the guitar sound at the end. Really good. Album. Yeah, love all Armored Saint. They're, they don't have a bad album. Nope. Uh, people were like going, La Rasa was kind of bad, but then they got back to it and go, oh wait, that album is good. <laughs> no, it's it's not bad at all. It's it's yeah. a great album. Freaking love that album. And then we get to the last song, which you picked, Brian. Uh, Spineless. No, Lee picked Spineless. We already got. Yep. Yeah, I thought, what what the hell? Sorry, <laughs> you know, um, I, um, I would have though. I, that was my. It would have been my third pick. All right. So Actually, yeah, yeah, man. Right on. So here's Spineless by Armored Saint and picked by Lee. <laughs>
Okay, Lee, why'd you pick that track? One of the best songs on the album. I love it. They close the album with the best song. Really cool. Yeah, this is the Armored Saint I like. What'd you think about it, Brian? Yeah, we kind of nailed it. At this point, the album's so diverse, it's kind of anyone's guess if you've never heard the album before where they're going to go. And, and they are they, they end up picking arguably the heaviest and the fastest song in the album to end it. It's just awesome. In many ways, Spineless is kind of the precursor to Pater, which was on uh, the first song on their, on their return album on Revelation. And I think this is probably the closest to thrash that Armored Saint comes uh, because, and actually, you could say this is what Metallica might have sounded like if John Bush had joined the band way back when, you know, in 84 or 85, because the initial riff is very fast, it's very crunchy, it's similar to what James Hetfield would write. And uh, the music's actually co written by Joey Vera and Dave Pritchard. Um, and the song was actually part of You Can Run, But You Can't Hide, which you may hear, hear later, uh, according, to, according to Joey Vera. And eventually the parts were split and you get two separate songs. I think the best way you could describe this album is kind of that run in, run out. So you, you run in fast with a of fire and then you quickly run out with spineless. It's kind of like Master of Puppets. You know, you start with battery and you quickly end it with uh, Damage Inc. So I, I think they were, they're kind of smart to do that. You get the metalheads invested and they're willing to stick it out through the middle. Yeah, this yeah. is a really great way to end an album, and it kind of it makes you want more. But you would have to wait for Revelation to get more because uh, yep. Bush bailed after this album because he said, "You know what? I expected this album to be bigger than it was. I just can't handle it anymore. Yeah, I'm doing all yeah. this work and not getting any recognition for it anymore." Um, yeah, I guess. They I mean, they basically recorded their black album, and, yeah. and it just didn't it didn't take off. I don't even know if it sold a half a million. Uh, and, and they even had push on MTV. So I get it. Like, where else could they go at this point? And then they had lost Dave Pritchard. Uh, I, I think it only made sense. And he had been, you know, again, he had been offered, he had stuck with the band for years because uh, he could have been a Metallica multiple times. Same with Joey Vera. And they kept turning it down. So I think it was, it was too much, too obvious at that point where they were going to go. Plus the musical climate was changing at that point. Yeah, and uh, then he went, yeah. to, he took Anthrax and even Vera went into Anthrax for a little bit here and there. So yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, when they had problems, yeah. Yep, so uh, it's a great album. Freaking Bush is one of my all-time favorite metal singers, or even singer, man. I put him mm -hmm. up there with Steve Perry and freaking Tommy Shaw and singers like that that I love. Um, oh, I He's in my top five. Yeah, really great singer. So that was Symbol of Salvation, and there's not even any... I don't think the song even, album even charted. <laughs> it's like... I don't think so, yeah. Right? <laughs> it's just a weird time. It sucks, man. And uh, I got to check out that three disc special edition that they released in 2003 that you keep yep. talking about because I'm like, ooh, that sounds cool. Oh, if, if yeah, you're you got to you, yeah. you gotta pay $1,000 for it. Of yeah, course. or at least 125 <laughs> Probably. I, go, I, go, I try to get that sound of white noise. It's like $300 for the vinyl. Go, Jesus. Uh, and then uh, there's there's another band from Canada that I like, uh, Killer Dwarfs. Their, their album Stand Tall is like 400 oh, yeah. bucks. Yeah. <laughs> And I talked to yeah. the, I forgot uh, the drummer of that band. I talked to, I'm a friend of him on Facebook, uh, Daryl Dwarf. Yeah. Where, uh, I told him, I said, man, are you guys going to ever re-release this so I could get it on vinyl? And he goes, no, Epic's being assholes. They won't let us uh, put it uh, put it on freaking uh, iTunes. Or, they won't let us stream oh. it or anything. They just want to box it up and lock it away and not even release it. And I go, I can't get it anywhere. He says, well, go download it. I don't care. <laughs> you yeah, told me to I, 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 I definitely agree with that. You yeah. told me to legally download it, and I did. 
Yeah, I mean, thank God for, I'm sure you buy a lot of CDs from Rock Candy, and yeah. they, they've re-released a lot of good things, too. But yeah, it's a shame that this stuff, you know, we were, to, I, Badlands, one that, I mean, that's a little complicated, but still, that, that stuff is tough to find, and I'm glad I have a couple copies of it. Oh, right, right now, I put it up on the page last week that you could get the Badlands for a CD for 20 bucks. Right. Oh, yeah. I think Samuel Wetz went out and got Voodoo Highway. You yeah, know, he got for. that and Voodoo Highway. And I, Voodoo yep. Highway is like 30. Oh. I yeah, like that. <laughs> oh, those, those are Badlands, man. Great, oh, great band. Badlands is awesome. What a crappy thing the singer did, though. Oh, uh, well, of course. I understand why. Uh, they, uh, what is it? Uh, Eddie Truck said about the Badlands album. He goes, Rock Candy came to me and says, oh, we're going to release it. And he goes, well, you guys better be ready to pull it because you're going to get sued. And a week later, so they got sued. I fucked it. I lucked out. I got a copy of each before they got pulled, and uh, they're super rare because, man, you can't find cool. them anywhere. Yeah, because shit, they'll probably never come out again. And I get it. Like, look, Ray Gillens did some really horrible stuff, if that's true. And uh, but the the problem is, there's three other people in the band, so it's like they're getting punished as well. So it's it's a it's a tricky situation. Yeah, that's freaking. That's what I. Mean. Um, if if you go sometimes to. Stores like Amoeba Records. Sure. Um, you, you might be able to find a cassette for two bucks. <laughs> Actually, I, I did find I an independent found, release. Yeah. I, I used to found, found I, I didn't get it, but but I used to find it for that. Yeah, or garage sales, things like that. Yeah. All right, so I want to uh, thank our guest, Brian Davis, for coming on here from his... Uh, I'll let him uh, promote himself, so promote what you do, Brian. Sure, man. Uh, so I have a, a movie podcast. Uh, it's called Damn Good Movie Memories. It's kind of a tongue twister, but once you get it, it rolls off the tongue. Uh, so yeah, so I've been going, doing this for, God, almost four years now, and we're almost up to 200 episodes. Uh, we, we started with doing movie subjects, you know, like, what, you know, what was the very first movie you saw in a movie theater? And I would interview people I worked with and friends and things like that, and it's just kind of grown. And by 100, episode 100, I, I kind of ran out of ideas. And I didn't want to keep you know, trying to kind of force ideas. So I realized my DVD collection is huge. I'd have, if I did a movie a week, I'd be set for the next 40 years, which would be probably the end of my life. So, um, yeah, so that's what we're doing now is I just pick a random movie from my DVD collection, really get in depth into each movie. You know, it's kind of like watching the bonus, you know, features. So someone that's never seen the movie might learn something, which is cool. And then people that are seen the movie a million times might also learn something. So I really try to balance that. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to do. And I really want to commend you guys uh, for really remaining consistent uh, on, on your podcast because you release episodes every single week. I know how difficult it is uh, to, to have content. And, and really, the, the fun part of a podcast is coming up with the idea and then starting it. But the hard part is being consistent and doing it every week. So I really commend you guys, especially Mark, who's been doing it from the beginning. Uh, so, you know, keep up the good work, guys, because I, I realize how difficult this is to keep it going. Yeah, that's yeah, he's the one who keeps it going. He's like, Lee, get up <laughs> out of the, the, the rug. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're with, the, with, with the bugs. Get out of the bugs. I mean, no, but you had... Add the flavor, Lee. So that's that's good. Yeah. That's well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm the boogie, boo boo, of the podcast. I'm the one who gripes and complains. You're the boogeyman. <laughs> yeah, I'm the boogie 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 man. But <laughs> awesome. yeah. 
And also, well, my, first, right. my first few episodes when I had a guest on, I didn't realize you had to wear headphones. So I got oh, an boy. echo on those ones, especially the one, <laughs> The Cure with Bill Wang. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Bill Wang. He even said it sounded like shit. And I go, oh, you had to wear headphones. No wonder it was recording my speakers into back into the podcast. <laughs> so I had a total well, yeah, it's, a, it's a total learning process. Yeah, and uh, yeah, look, good job on you, man, for, for keeping it going. And you're continuing to keep it going. So it's a good, really a good job, Mark. I love to turn people on to music. And I like Lee. Sure. pick stuff I would never think of. And oh, yeah. Yeah, that's because stuff. you weren't yeah. born... 20 years before it. <laughs> you know, I, I picked stuff from 1968. You weren't born until 1988. I don't know why. 70. <laughs> oh, okay, well, what the fuck ever. 125 years ago, Marcus. <laughs> but no, no, like last week, because uh, as we're recording, uh, you know, we, we picked Fuzzy Duck. I'd never heard of that band, but I'm listening to them. I'm like, well, this sounds in my wheelhouse. It's like Steppenwolf meets 10 years after. So, no, we, we it's a lot of fun that you guys have such diverse tastes. And uh, again, thank you for more. saying thank you for saying that about you're, that. No, you're, absolutely. You're, I'm a, are, are you willing to be a new podcast partner as opposed <laughs> to um, a guy who doesn't know what he's saying? I picked Bon Jovi. It pisses him off. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate that shit. There you go. The love love fest gone. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you, Brian. And you also do a, a radio show on uh, that metal station on Wednesday right. nights. Mm -hmm. The bad yeah, beat, yeah, the bad beat. Some people ask what the bad beat means. Uh, if you're a card player, there's a terminology called the bad beat, where if you statistically have a hand that you shouldn't lose, but for whatever reason you, you get that rare hand that someone else has that that beats you, it's called a bad beat. And in many uh, casinos, they have it where if you get a bad beat, you actually win a huge pot because statistically you should never lose. So that's why the catchphrase is even when you lose, you still win. So the bad beat also comes from the initials of my name. I'm Brian A. Davis. So the bad beat. Yeah. And I want to thank you for that Mr. Mom episode. That was really good. I, I, that, oh, awesome. that got me. I got to go. I don't have it on DVD. I go, what the fuck? I don't have it. So I it was on Amazon Prime for free. So me and my wife watched it that night. And I go, man, there's so much stuff I didn't know about this movie. And I started watching it. And I started looking for the stuff you were talking about. And I go, this is uh -huh. awesome. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. That, Michael Keaton was brilliant in the 80s. He still is. But he was really at his peak. And uh, if you're a fan of, like, these type of movies, uh, always get Shout Factory. You know, their Blu-rays. Because that's... They had so much bonus footage, and I'd been waiting for years to get a Mr. Mom DVD that was like widescreen. Because some of these old DVDs, oh. you only get like the the you know the the full oh, frame. Yeah. It just looks like shit. I so hate full frame. When I was into when I before when uh, movies, I got um, the widescreen edition on VHS, like mm -hmm. the Weapon Director's Cuts. Yeah, yeah. The Weapon Director's Cut adds so much to that movie. Oh, all yeah. of them. One, two, three, and four all have director's cuts. I have them all on DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, oh yeah, they're so good, especially in the Lethal Weapon where it shows Riggs going crazy, just going up and shooting a guy in the window. Bam! He just walks in while the guy's just shooting up the place. Yeah. <laughs> it shows. It shows. It gives content to why he's crazy. You know. Oh, <laughs> you are crazy. You know. So, what is your favorite Lethal Weapon uh, of the four? I think it's two. <laughs> hmm? I okay. Like two. Yeah. I like it when he just when that guy goes freaking. Uh, immunity and he just shoots him right in the forehead it's yep. diplomatic immunity <laughs> <laughs> how about you are you in the lethal weapon um not really okay i i i think i i saw about the first 10 minutes and i thought oh that's cool and then i walked out 
See, uh, I think Lee could play the Gary Busey character in the first one. Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Joshua? I, 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 I kind of... Gary Busey is actually... He was on a record album. And, and, oh, and he, he was in a group. And so maybe I might want to have you um, be with us on the um, episode where I forced Mark to listen <laughs> to the album. Well, he was. Uh, he played Buddy Holly and uh, the Buddy Holly story in seven yeah. So there you go. This was yeah. this was before that. I okay, think his best. It. I think his best movie is DC Cab. <laughs> <laughs> he was there in a group go. called that, that's loud stereo a, system playing Elvis loud. He like, was in a group God called. Damn. He was in a group called Carp. Oh, okay. C A R P, and and it's kind of country. And Mark don't like no country, so I he's like not Lincoln. gonna he's not gonna love the album, but maybe you and me, um, Brian, will like it. Maybe? Even if we don't like the same songs, there but we might like the actual album itself. Just I would say, it's all good. For, for Gary Busey, I'd say one of my favorite roles would be in point break because oh, yeah. uh, Utah, give me two. Give me two. Yeah, that was good too. But yep. I, I just like I like loud stereo systems in a car. And when he put that loud system in the taxi, and like, oh, oh my god, he's blasting Elvis. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because Elvis sound quality is not like what they have today. You know. No, like the fidelity. Mono. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Flew out the window. I should do that. I I should have done that. I should have learned how to write write a a a car, and then I should have had. A speaker where if my family members start bitching at me, I have some in the back seat speaker saying, Shut up! And when they say, Why do you say that, Lee? I say, Not me. It's the speaker. They go, Shut up! And then I show them, You see, I'm not moving my mouth. And they go, Oh my God, the Phantom's in the car. Oh, we are. We are. With toothpaste phantoms, oh, get away, toothpaste phantom! <laughs> so you're right. like a ventriloquist with Charlie McCarthy. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right on. <laughs> All right, so uh, thank you, Brian, again for being on this episode. I had a lot of fun. Oh, thank you, guys. Thanks All for right. inviting me. All right, so we end our show with uh, a tracks of the week, and uh, Brian picked uh, to keep with the theme. He picked uh, Armored Saint. You could run, but you can't hide. And that was from uh, the the uh, the Metal Years uh, movie, right? Uh, yeah, Decline of Western Civilization. Yeah. I just watched that again yesterday after you said Isn't that. it good? It's good, but you can see how stupid people were back. I just want chicks and beer. <laughs> like, that's, that's why it was great. It was such a timepiece. Plus, if you if you watch the first one, because Penelope Spears directed it, she, of course, directed Wayne's World yeah. uh, as well. She um, The first one's all punked from the early 80s in L.A., and so it's kind of a nice time capsule, uh, both of them. You know? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I go, man, this is, this is cool to see how stupid people were. <laughs> that's right and you can see jeff duncan who was in odin before he went into armored saint yeah it's pretty cool and uh i even put up an odin video because i was watching that i go i haven't even heard of these guys i'm gonna look up their video and i put it up <laughs> I yeah it. there you go see? Yeah. and then uh freaking dave mustaine was the only smart one talking in the whole movie that's like damn yeah well actually steven steven and joe weren't oh, bad they, they were, were they were good they so, were good yeah but the other guys, and of course Gene is Gene, you know. <laughs> yeah, Gene and Paul were just over the top. <laughs> oh, and Ozzy's making eggs. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it's crazy. So you picked that track, and then I picked uh, to go with the theme, but I picked uh, John Bush and uh, Anthrax. 
King yep. Size, which I love that album, Stomp 442. I, I think it's underrated. It's very underrated. And um, I like all the Anthrax albums. I was sad when he, they, uh, when uh, Belladonna came back in the band because I was loving uh, We Come For You All. But then I liked that I agree. album. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, they went on, on fire with that album, We Come For You All. I also liked uh, when they did the all the Belladonna songs with John Bush. The, oh, yeah, uh, the, 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 oh, yeah. That was great, too. And then they had Belladonna yep. come in and do it with him too on another album, part two, I think. Uh, they did a they did a song together on yeah. a greatest hit, the Ball Confusion. I don't yeah. know if they, they yeah yeah exactly that was cool too. And then uh, uh, Lee, you picked Brian Eno, "Babies on Fire," and then I listened to it. Fucking yeah. great guitar. <laughs> That's like this. It kind of goes with the episode because that guitar is burning in that song. It's like going off. Yeah. Yeah, man. A pretty good. Song. I, I I I figured I would do some that you hadn't heard of. Yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> hadn't heard it. <laughs> it was really good. I enjoyed that song. Yeah, uh, the guitars was jamming on that. And then yeah. uh, then we ended as always with Lee's song "Money" that he wrote with his papa. Uh, and my dog. And your nice. dog. <laughs> All right. So um, I wrote it with my dad Frank and my dog Norton. All right, so those are our tracks of the week we're going to play you out with. And thank you again, Brian. I uh, really no, appreciate no it. And, uh, and your little dog, too. And your little dog. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I, I, man, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. He, he co-wrote the song. Awesome. Good for Brian him. Right on, man. Thank you. <laughs> Did he howl with your voice? No. <laughs> but, 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 but. No, no, no. But, but he, he wrote some of the notes to the songs oh, okay nice. well, you better get royalties i'll i'll, I'll audit so <laughs> well, well 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 he 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 died unfortunately oh. a long time ago but and then so my dad but 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 i mean but 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 i i'll respect i have to i, I have to say credit for both of them yeah absolutely well i'm glad you're you're right on. honoring him all right right on and uh lee until next week say goodbye bye bye Later. Take it easy, Brian. Bye, Lee. <laughs> bye, bye. Bye, bye. <laughs>
necessary for her learning If you'll be my sponsor I could be half the man I used to They said you were hot stuff And that's what babies we produced to
You have just listened to the Freeform Rock Podcast. All music played on the Freeform Rock Podcast belongs to its owner. If you like it, go out and buy it. Get your music on Amazon, iTunes, or at your local record store. Support what you love. Support the artists by seeing them live. Purchase their music. The Freeform Rock Podcast is not affiliated with any of the artists or music that we play. Thank you for listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. Until next time, stay free and rock on.